0: I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite, and Rutgers beat reporter, Craig Epstein. Uh, Before we get started, we're going to talk all about the last two basketball games, some uh, rivals camp Richie was at yesterday, some other news. Uh, We have some big news for the podcast. So We've mentioned a few times we were looking for a presenting sponsor, uh, but we really wanted to make sure that we were partnering with the right group uh, because we had some offers, but we didn't want to do something that would be outside of what we believe in uh, and Proud to announce that Night and Day Apparel is the presenting sponsor of the Night Report Podcast. We've shouted them out. I've bought from them four or five times. They have really great stuff. The coffee I'm drinking this morning is from, uh, not the coffee, the coffee mug is from Night and Day. Uh, you know, we, have, we showed the jacket off. I've had multiple shirts from them. Mm-hmm. They're just an awesome. They produce awesome products, and we couldn't be more happy to partner with them. Uh, so calling all Rutgers fans, students, alumni. Uh, are you looking for some really unique and new Rutgers merchandise? Well, Night and Day has you covered. From t-shirts to hoodies to drinkware and pet accessories, Night and Day focuses on providing the Rutgers community with exclusive, one-of-a-kind tailgating products. Uh, be sure to check out the links in the podcast description below and their website and social media so you can stay on top of everything Night and Day, including new merch drops and promotional announcements. Shop now and keep shopping. It's pretty cool. Uh, I, I, I honestly couldn't... To be more happy to partner with them, and also, I, I love their stuff. I just couldn't be more uh, excited about this partnership. So, check them out. Uh, they really do have some awesome gear uh, and accessories for Rutgers fans. Nice little yeah.
1: St. Paddy's Day shirt I saw, so you that's can get suit. wasted, yeah. uh, wasted <laughs> in a good shirt.
0: Oh yeah, Wait, let's
1: say
2: the mayor, Absolutely. "Welcome the Scarlet Knights, be with you." There you go. That's it's pretty unique. That's nice. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Uh, so. Let's talk about this basketball team. Um, we have I feel to. like Speaking of getting we, wasted, we, yeah, speaking of getting wasted, <laughs> I, I spoke about how I thought the the team really bottomed out against Penn State. Um, I might have spoken too soon. I feel like yesterday was the worst performance by Rutgers basketball team in a long time. Um, just factoring in the personnel we had available to us, I know we're banged up. Every team's banged up in February, but to go out there and put on the type of performance they did against a team that you beat on the road three weeks ago it's not like we played maryland in december we beat them in february and we lost to them at home by 17 in february we kept them under the speed limit you know the big Pikel speed limit 65 miles per hour we kept them under the speed limit and we lost by 17 points
1: yeah craig
0: what's your high level thoughts on how yesterday's game went
1: just terrible. I mean, this is almost the same exact, uh, almost the same exact score, I think, of the Penn State game from like a, a, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And and that, at the time, we thought was like the worst game. But this was pretty close. This was honestly like, they had that like uh, kind of like couple like 8-0 stretch that obviously before the technical foul, which we'll get into a little bit later. But they at least had like a little bit of juice right there that brought the, you know, the crowd into it but literally other than that like spurt they, they, the offense was just nothing i mean it's just it we've said it we said it off the pot and i'm sure everybody knows they went like 8 minutes without a, a point like a single point they went 8 minutes without they went 11 and a half minutes without a field goal i mean this is just it's beyond bad it's just this is just like almost not a division 1 offense i mean there's just no way you can beat anybody if you just cannot score i mean it's it's that simple and it's just like we've said it over and over again. There's been how many times this year have we talked about where whether it's a six-minute drought, a seven-minute, an eight-minute, nine-minute, ten-minute, eleven. I mean, it's just it's we've gone over it just time and time again throughout the season, and now this stretch, this now they've lost three games in a row. I mean, the season's done, and this really this three-game stretch has been as bad as bad of basketball as we can remember, and it it just like kind of stinks because he had that four. He obviously had that four-game winning streak. We're kind of oh sorry. Where it kind of fe- good. No, it's not good. <laughs> Sorry if I'm kind of loud. But, uh, it, yeah, they just had that four-game stretch where it felt like things were, were, like, you know, maybe turning a corner. We were thinking, I mean, the the tournament was always kind of a little bit of a pipe dream, but it was at least, like, fun to think about. But now it's, like, I don't even think they're going to make the NITs. NIT. Just, I don't know, there's not really that much road left to really kind of turn things around. There's still a couple games, I guess, <coughs> if you win out, you're, you'll be in the NIT. But it's just, like, how do you expect them to win out with an offense that's just this bad?
2: Yeah, there's a good shot at the NIT still. They just have to win three of four plus a tournament game, maybe? I don't know. That's it's not, it's actually yeah, Three of four yeah, is not, okay, not okay. Maybe it's not as easy as I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> making it seem. But, I mean, the good news is you get Michigan next. But the, yesterday was just pitiful. Like, it's just the rebounding. How do you, you have 12 rebounds in the second half? It was 12 to 23 on the boards in the second half. They had 29 yep. total. <laughs> like I don't know what it is, but, like, I saw Cliff get boxed out, like, multiple occasions by guards. Like, guards are pushing him out of the paint. I, I know you don't have a ton of like ton of weight on you, but you're athletic enough, you're big enough that you, you should be able to push just, uh, what's his name, Sean Harris-Smith around at least a little bit. And then guys never follow their shots, too, and it drives me kind of insane because it's like they'll take, like, a mid-range or a deep three, and it's like, all right, oh, I missed, I'm going to go back. And it's like, no, follow the fucking shot and get the rebound. At least pressure it a little bit so then... If you cut, then someone's gonna box you out, and then someone else is gonna get the rebound. Like it's that stuff drives me nuts. Layup attempts continue to struggle. Free throws, I'm just they they don't hit anything. Um, and then honestly, Cliff just had an awful game. We got dominated in the paint. Um, Julian Reese had a field day, and I'm just tired of like I, I said this pre pod, and there's there's times where. I guess Cliff looks really good defensively, but I'm tired of the pregame hype from the analysts saying, like, he's one of the best defensive centers in the league, and then, or the nation, and then all of a sudden he gets dominated. It's like, uh, I don't know. And then the scoring droughts. The scoring droughts are just, this team can't score. Um, I sent you the, uh, the shooting chart before, Mike. It's just, it's rough looking, like, every game almost. It's just the same chart over and over again. Like, what is this? What am I
0: looking at? <laughs> like, yeah, it's bad. They can't
2: hit anything outside of the t- two-foot range. <laughs> like,
0: it's it's yeah, so they, bad. Yeah, they were 0 for 10 from mid-range. So the, the positive is they weren't shooting as many shots from the mid-range yesterday. Um, and they played, They did shoot pretty well at the rim. They are 15 of 25 from the rim, which 60% yeah. is way higher than normal. But the outside shooting still wasn't there, 2 of 11 from 3. <clears throat> they gave up 7 Uh, First half offensive rebounds, which isn't great, Um, and that was when they were playing a lot of uh, center minutes. Because if in the second half, if you're watching, they played small ball almost the entire second half, and it had some varying levels of success. Like they did create, uh, they did they were able to cut the lead down to I think eight at one point, eight or ten, and that was right when uh, the Austin Williams technical foul happened, which killed all the momentum. Um, just some really <laughs> soft whistles yesterday. But, I mean, if you look at the the defensive metrics, the last three games Rutgers has played, in terms of the advanced metrics, it's three worst games of the season on defense. In terms of Bart Torvik, the adjusted defense, it was 104 yesterday, uh, 116 versus P- uh, Purdue, the game before that, and 109 versus Minnesota. To give you some context, it's just like a – That adjusted defensive rating is points allowed per 100 possessions. Uh, They only had three games the entire season where they had over 100 before that. They had a barely uh, 100 game against Michigan State. They had a 101 game against uh, Wake Forest, and they had a 100 game against Princeton. So by far the three worst games defensively, and it shows. How many open looks have we seen from Minnesota, from Purdue, from Maryland, over and over, the last three games. They were just, and again, they're playing hurt, it seems, because they're just not playing as nearly as well defensively. And they're playing a lot more young guys, too. Like, Gavin Griffiths isn't the best defender. He's improving, certainly. But Mm -hmm. he's not a guy you'd point to as a defensive stalwart. Same thing with Oscar Palmquist. Same thing with Emmanuel Ogbol. Same thing with... Austin Williams, like a lot of these guys aren't really defensive first guys, they're scoring first guys, and I get it, you had to play a lot of them yesterday to try and get back in the game, but it's just, Steve Peichel it, has very limited options right now, and you could say that's because of you know getting screwed by Cam Spencer and Paul Mulcahy late in the, the process, and there is an element to that, but, ultimately, you gotta figure it out as the coach. That's your job. And he's not he has no answers to this, this situation right now, and it's really hard to watch. And I think we were all just so buoyed by Jeremiah Williams coming back and that mm-hmm. four-game win streak, and we've seen these kind of win streaks in the past. We saw it with the four, you know, two years ago when we had that four-game winning streak <laughs> against top 25 opponents, despite the fact that we were playing so poorly the rest of the season before that. Uh, we all thought, okay, this team is, you know, X or Y, but we weren't able to sustain that. This year... I think once teams started to get some tape on Jeremiah Williams and figure out, you know, okay, as long as we stop these, him. you know, if we just double him up when he's trying to dribble and penetrate, he's got to kick it out. Nobody else can really hit an outside shot reliably. So why not just, like, stuff the paint? Because the the, the main two offensive weapons we've had when we were having success was, you know, Cliff getting one-on-one matchups or alley-oops or Jeremiah Williams, you know, getting by his defender or, just being a savvy veteran and, you know, having a guy jump at the, the shot fake and taking an easy, like, four to seven-footer inside the paint, and we're just not getting that anymore. We're getting, you know, a lot of congestion in the paint, and teams are daring us to shoot, and when we do, we can't make <coughs> our shots. So, like, when you have no ability to have a plan B on offense, it's and the plan A isn't that great to begin with, yeah. you just gotta kind of got to question, like, where – is the repeatable offense on Rutgers? Where has it been? Because it hasn't been there. You know, we, we've succeeded primarily when we have, you know, these iso-ball dominant guards that are able to kind of create their own shots in Gio and Ron. You know, even Paul, when it <laughs> even though it wasn't pretty at times, he was able to play that booty ball back down stuff. And <laughs> it's certain, certain games it worked, a lot of games it didn't. But we don't really have that kind of guy outside of Jeremiah Williams right now. You know, he, he only can do so much. And the supporting cast has kind of let him down. So a lot of this, this is a long-winded way of saying, like, we, we're not a super talented offensive team. And, yeah, duh, anybody who's watched this team all season knows that. But the defense is starting to wane. And when you can't play defense and your offense is this bad, you're going to see these blowouts. You're going to, you know, we got beat by almost 30 points at Purdue. You know last year we won at Purdue. Mm-hmm. you know we lost by seventeen at home just let's just say that point blank we lost by seventeen at home <laughs> to anybody that's can you imagine like last year, two years ago saying we lost by seventeen at home and it wasn't an, not even an unranked opponent. This isn't even a bubble opponent. This is a team that is in the same situation as Rutgers where they're kind of trying to push for the NIT. We lost by fifteen at home to Penn State who is having their own set of issues like obviously they had a big win against illinois at home but they're a bad team too we're losing big at home which five it, like two or three years ago we weren't going 19 and one at home like there is a huge dip in where we've been able to produce as a team and i i don't have a great answer for how to get out of it but i think we need to acknowledge that it happened and it is continuing to happen and we I think Paykel needs to take a long look in the mirror in the offseason and figure out when the defense can't play this suffocating, you know, number one overall defense in college basketball-type performance, how do we still win games? Because if we're not playing that kind of defense, you've seen it the last three games, we're getting dog-walked. We're we're losing every game by double digits. So, yeah, we're going to have some great players individually next year in Dylan and Ace. But we can't expect them just to roll the ball out there like AAU and just kind of go get your own shot because while it is going to work a lot of the time, you're still going to run into situations where teams have two really good defenders and they're going to stifle Dylan. they're going to stifle Ace, and you're going to need to find ways to create offense, whether that be you know running plays that <laughs> actually get guys open or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have a great answer, like I said, but... <coughs> Michael needs to figure it out because we can't just expect them to just, you know, do this ISO crap consistently and create our offense and run our offense around that because it's not going to work.
1: Yeah, as I say, I mean, if we talked about where a freshman, at some point, like next year, as good as we think it's going to be, they're probably going to hit a wall at some point where it's like, yep. you know, God, or God forbid one of them gets banged up and then maybe has to miss a game or two or whatever it may be, and then they isolate on the one other guy. It's just like, if you think next year is just going to be, you know, the the, the rose petals are going to be falling out of your feet and you're going to, you know, dance your way to, you know, the Final Four, it's just, it's not going to happen. That's not how college basketball works. The season's too long. The Big Ten is too brutal. I mean, at some point, these guys are going to, are going to hit some kind of struggle. So it's going to be about what do you do? And it's just we're going to have to figure out what, we're going to have to figure out, you know, what is the answer? And as you said, there's, there hasn't been a repeatable offense here. You, you gotta, you gotta find something that you can just go to. Like with this offense, like if you look at it, it's like what are they? What are they good at? It's like not much, not to be much. honest. They they're not good with free throws, so it takes away your ability to really drive to the lane and you know try and get fouled. They're not good at the. They're not very good at layups, so that's another problem. <laughs> and obviously, we've talked about over and over again. This is not a good shooting team. So it's just like, just. Skill wise, philosophy wise, it just it just has to change. And even even if Dylan, even if next year is the Dylan and Ace show and they're awesome, fine. But as we as we think they're going to be one and dones so what what what's the answer for next year and the year after? You know, it's just like you're. Ne- so you have to do something that not only really supplements you now but sets you up for the future. And I really, I mean, what better? And if you look like we've talked about the offensive coordinator. Well, I mean. This is the perfect. If you, if this is the perfect time to go get one because you know whoever it may be would love the chance to you know work with an ace and Dylan and set themselves up for you know the future.
2: It's it's so tough. This like you said, this offense is so so bad. It's it's ridiculous. I'm looking now. Like Ken Palm has <clears> them. <throat> I know everyone like hates Ken Palm now because Michael said he hates <laughs> Ken Palm, but um, effective field goal percentage is 356 in the country. They're shooting an effective field goal percentage of 43.6. You know how many teams there are in D1. 362. 363? 363, maybe there's 363. Maybe I read that wrong. No, 362. But there's six teams worse in Division I at shooting than them. That's it, just six of them. So they're the seventh worst shooting team in the country. Jesus. That just tells you all you really need to know. They're 340 in three-pointer percentage. They're 353 in two-point percentage. They're 330 in free throws. Like That's the easiest one, I would say. Oh, it just drives me nuts. It's up it drives me up a wall. This team is just... It's not good, and I'm on the I'm on the verge of just saying fuck it. Like, go for the future. Put Griffiths out there. Put Jermichael Davis out there. Let's let's see what some of these young guys can do. Because we you got to start playing for next year at this point, I think, and especially because Gavin actually had a decent game. It might be the only bright spot. Um, but Gavin had actually two games in a row that were pretty decent. I know he didn't shoot too well the game before, but he still did other things. Um, but yeah, start playing for the future. Fuck it. Just
0: start start everyone that's young. I mean, you are starting to see them do that. If you look at the last yeah, two games, right. I mean, they're Gavin's played 25 minutes, 22 minutes. Like, they're they're playing him more knowing they're going to need him in the future and trying yeah. to rebuild his confidence. And, you know, it's <clears throat> it's going to be a process. It's... uh Yeah.
1: I that was think. just like... And we talked about the defense where it was like... If you put it into... Like, they scored 63 points and Julian Reese had 20. So he had one-third of their points. And it's, they still still got blown out like it's just like yeah like you, as good as their defense is there but before this point they were busy playing oh before this three game losing streak they were playing like one of the best defensive teams in the nation but it's just the defensive basketball like that is just not sustainable you know over the course of a, of a season and especially in the big 10 where it's just so physical and so brutal and so that's why you need your offense to really just that that's that's really where it is you just have to really go Almost all in with your offense because, as we see, as we see now, yesterday in the last few games, when even when you're playing a good defensive basketball game, if you're not making your shots, it just completely kind of takes the air out of the balloon, and it just, the whole thing just basically crumbles.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's hard to watch this team right now, and as much as you know, I want to have uh, positive uh, thoughts about you know the future for the rest of the season. I just I don't I don't see us advancing far in the NIT, uh, even if we do make it, just because of all the things we've it. laid out. The defense is not playing well right now. Our offense is probably the worst in in the Power Six or whatever they call that in basketball. High major. It's just high major. Yeah, it's probably the worst high major offense. I, I don't know. I and I try and be <clears throat> as positive as I can, but I'm just being realistic. Like this team is not good right now, and there, that four-game stretch was seemingly an aberration because, you know, we lost three games heading into that four-game stretch. We've lost the three games coming out of that stretch. We have probably our easiest game of the season against Michigan coming up, uh, at least in the the Big Ten uh, side of things. After that, you know, we play, we're play. we going to be double-digit underdogs at Nebraska. We're going to be do- double-digit yeah. underdogs. Um the following road game as well and you know we're probably going to be an underdog at home against ohio state on senior night because ohio state's playing really well right now ever since they fired their coach they're a different team you know they they beat michigan state at michigan state yesterday impressive. uh they beat purdue at home like we're not beating ohio state right now like let's be real so i see one more win on the schedule and after that i uh, it's going to be tough sledding um I know that we were hyping this team as, you know, if they go five and two, they go six and one, they probably make the tournament. And I don't think we saw the, the slide that has happened. I think we saw the trajectory as going up, and really I think we just kinda saw the peak and they're on their way back down. So
2: Yeah. I don't even know, like if you go two and three and one and you make the NIT, do you even take it?
0: Yeah, yeah they absolutely take it. You yeah, think yeah. so?
2: Cause yeah. Like, I, cause if you get Why another not? embarrassing We're, loss to, like, a Hofstra or something, it's like, what the fuck? Like, I think no, that, was, that was a bad defeating moment to end the season. Yeah,
0: yeah I don't I don't particularly care at that point. you got to take the, the postseason uh, <laughs> opportunity because people, these guys
1: need the experience. More people remember the Minnesota loss than the Hofstra loss. I
2: don't yeah. know. That Hofstra one kind of was a kick in the balls for them. Yeah.
1: The kick, no, the kicking the balls is when they didn't make the tournament. Oh, that too, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, Yikes! Yeah, it's 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 rough, and I think we've kind of hit on everything that we thought was uh, important for how they've been playing. Game against uh, Michigan on Thursday, obviously a must-win if they want to keep their postseason hopes alive. But we're on life support right now. Could be NCAA the final tournament nail in the, is in the Juwan Howard. Uh, Juwan Howard? No, that's. I think that nail's been in there all season, especially <laughs> after how they started. Um, Obviously, the the NCAA tournament dreams are dead outside of winning the Big Ten tournament, which, uh, spoiler alert, isn't going to happen. But this is also their NIT life is uh, at stake on Thursday. They lose against Michigan. That is, they're not making it. No no (laughs) chance. So, an important game, but uh, the stakes are significantly lower than we probably all would have hoped three weeks ago when uh, everybody was, you know, ecstatic about where the, the program was. But that's that's college basketball. Things can flip uh, that quickly.
2: But I find it crazy how they went from having like zero techs like all season long to like they have like oh yeah seven or eight that. in the past like four yeah, we games. We even talk about like,
1: that. The 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 great job from the Big Ten officiating handing out technicals. That
2: was the worst tech I think I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. Like that was that was a bad one. Like
1: I'll you're talking about on. the Austin Williams one, right? Yeah, or, I'll, I'll I'll play it
2: on here real quick. The yeah. the Watt Mag one I feel like is kind of.
1: Yeah, because I could see they were getting kind of. Yeah, they were getting because they. Derek couldn't hear the whistle, so they kept playing, and then the Uh, the guy went up to. They got a little chippy, and he kind of shoved them. But this was this was embarrassing. This this was just bad. Like what? What am I?
2: crowd of eight thousand coming to life.
0: Blocked away.
2: I don't care what he said there. He'd have to say like the worst thing in the world. I think he just said like "fuck yeah" or something like that. Like I blocked you.
0: yeah. It was it was a bad tech and I think that was they're trying to have a makeup for the earlier tech called.
2: Let's go, I think you said. Yeah. That's insane. Like, what are we talking yeah. about? Like what are we doing?
1: Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, college football has targeting <laughs> and the and the college basketball has technicals because now it's like you've seen it not even just Rutgers. Well, we saw it with Derek when he was yelling at the fans. That was kind of the first I guess introduction into no trash talk allowed in college basketball, but we've seen so it now in stupid. some other games too, where it's just like they're just <laughs> like I don't know. I, uh, I asked Michael about it in the post game press conference, and he talked about kind of the uh, I guess the some there's been some brawls going on around college basketball, and we saw, but it's, it doesn't even involve like like trash talk. Like we saw, I think the Incarnate Word whatever team they play, they got oh, into like yeah, a crazy brawl, but that had nothing team, to do like, with like. As far as I know, it had nothing to do with like trash talk and then we obviously saw the court storming that injured philipkowski, but that had again nothing to do with trash talk, so it's just like I don't understand why what the point of this is like they just they just they're just gonna hand out text anytime like this is this is basketball like obviously we see go go play basketball on the street and if you get a block like that, and you're going to say something like, Richie, oh, you know, yeah. you play men's league. If you get a block like that, you're saying, get that weak shit out of here or something along those All lines. The time. This is called, uh, we're going to take this away from basketball, then it's just like, what are we doing? Like, I, this is just like, what, do, what, do we, what is this? Uh, it's just embarrassing.
0: Yeah, and if you're going to call stuff like that, call it every time it happens. Like, three <laughs> plays later, I think Julian Reese had yeah. that put back, and he mm-hmm. just like, was unleashing on the crowd and the players around him, so like, you're going to let him mf the crowd and you know Austin Williams has a block and says let's go and you're going to tech him up like just call it, like that's the one thing that is so <coughs> frustrating with refereeing because like the tone is typically set within the first 5 minutes and you realize okay this is how the game is going to be played i can adjust my play mm-hmm. or i can be careful to not do x or y but when you're inconsistent and you're just surprising players it's like you're going to call it now but you're not going to call it then you can't adjust to that so if you're going to call it that's fine, do it the entire game that way. if you're not going to call it, don't call it when you think you need to make a comeback <laughs> or make a a, a makeup call because that's crap you can't like as a player, you cannot adjust to that, and you can't anticipate that and so if you're going to be a bad referee, be a consistent bad referee don't just decide to do it in one moment or another uh, and that's that was my main issue with it but anyway it let's let's out. let's move on i'm I'm you I got know, if you no, got a I'm final no, thing good, to say just, I just drop I, it but otherwise I'm done with it. Fuck the Big 10 refs. Which is that's weird cuz I looked yeah, at the, I saw that's the
1: right. officiating crew going into this and I didn't I didn't really recognize their names. So I was like, "Oh, this must be a pretty good crew." And I was like, "Oh, nope.
2: Nope. Not name one <laughs> no. good Big 10 ref. You can't. They've been It's not just this game, and it's not just Rutgers games. Like they've just been ass all season. Like
0: <laughs> just yeah. not good referees. Yeah, you saw Gio and Ron tweeting about it at the game <laughs> cuz they were both there and they're both just like on the unloading on Big Ten refs. Uh, I'm sure that they're tired of dealing with it uh, from is being players gotta in be the big Ten. Some,
1: This has definitely got to be some type of like decree from the big, like higher ups, though, because as I said, we've seen this around other games. This isn't just Rutgers. This is we've seen this other games, and like again, it's like you're gonna give an a T for a guy screaming like "Let's go!" Like wh- what? Like
0: what? Like what is this? Yeah, joke. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad, but it's been bad. For the entire time that we've been in the Big Ten, it's just I thought it would be getting better as they got some of the older guys uh, who were refs that were thorns in our side, like Bob Borowski and, and others. Uh, but no, they've only gotten worse. So uh, I don't know. I guess that's a be careful what you wish for because it might uh, you're not guaranteed things will improve when when older refs retire. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the, the rivals camp you were at yesterday, Rich. Uh, a lot of uh, where was it held? What kind of players were there? Who were some standouts? Give us the whole rundown.
2: Um, so it's, it wasn't Rivals camp. Um, it was just Zone 6 camp. They've been running this camp for about five years now. They started uh, right before COVID, I think. And then they, they were one of the only camps that actually kept going through COVID. So I give them credit for sticking around and sticking to it. Probably the best camp they've probably ever had in terms of talent-wise. A um, lot of studs from Jersey. John Forrester, who notable Rutgers target was there. I actually got to spend a lot of time talking with him, just BSing with him, and seeing him kind of where he's at in his recruitment. I really like Rucker's chances there, um, but I, I can't tell if he's like a true running back or a like a receiver type. He's it's it's hard to really tell. He's he's smaller, so you want to say running back, but he has this the speed that it's like, and he has the hands too um, that say receiver. Like he was running, running. I think when he ran like two receiver routes, but uh, uh, he didn't really run any running back routes. He didn't do a whole lot at the camp other than just kind of hang out and chill. But he uh, in those couple of routes that he a couple of routes that he did run, he looked really good. Um, There's a quarterback, and I forget what his name was, that's going to St. Joe's that I really liked. Um, I always pronounce his name wrong, too. What the hell was it? Um, I can't find it, but whatever. Um, Charlie Amorte out of West Orange. Quarterback looked pretty good. Uh, Jamie Matthews was there, four-star offensive lineman. Hit or miss, he had some moments that were good, some that were uh, pretty bad, but uh, he ended up getting injured in then. So that's that's the only downside with some of these camps is – it's, it's risky but at the same time like you need to also prove yourself against top competition but um who else was there the whole like the paul catholic uh trio quad i don't even remember how many they have a lot of good kids there um this year i know des jones was there um i'm trying to think i had i had all the names written down uh i have to go back through some of the film i, t- I just take video of just every single rep basically and then just go back and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch and it's it's kind of time consuming kind of annoying but <laughs> but uh yeah now there's a lot of good kids there i was i was pretty impressed um a lot of younger kids too that are starting to stand out like there's this kid that's going to st peter's prep as a wide receiver. receivers like 2027. 20, that was interesting um there was one kid actually who intrigued me a lot he's currently at what is it morris catholic i think it was Eric Edelman, he's a linebacker at Morris Catholic. He's a 2025, but there's a chance he could reclass to 2026. If he does that, I would keep an eye on him. He plays for a, like a really, really bad team. Um, no offense to them, but they're just not good. Um, he had like 120 tackles or something last year, and wow. he he uh, he hits like a ton of bricks. He's not supposed to. Sorry, and like, something's gone wrong. Is that me? Please oh, try again. that was my phone. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I didn't even hit Siri. Um, anyway, but uh. Yeah, no, he, um, he's a really good prospect. I, I'd keep an eye on him, especially if he goes to, like, one of those uh, Connecticut prep schools. I think he could blow up big time. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just just a really good camp. A lot of Jersey kids, um, mostly North Jersey. Uh, Jermaine Kinsler came. He's uh, one to keep an eye on, four-star, obvious connections to the Rutgers. Uh His uncle also runs the Lifestyle Sports Agency for the football side of things. So, What's his um, connection
0: to Rutgers? Because I'm not aware of what it is.
2: Latish Kinsler's nephew is Jordan Kinsler, who's on the Rutgers football team as a walk-on. Latish Kinsler was the advisor for Kaj Sanders and someone else. I can't remember who, but he's kind of like the guy of the guys in the Big North. Like, okay. if if you're a notable kid and you have an NIL advisor, that's that's the dude. Got so it. it's definitely a, a good connection to have. He he, we actually talked a little bit about uh, Kaj. You said Kaj is packed on some uh some serious muscle so well, i wouldn't be shocked if we saw a lot of kosh sanders this year for ruckers at least but uh yeah no i thought it was uh it was, a, it was a pretty good uh pretty good camp all things considered it's winter it's jersey and usually most of these camps are going to be held down south and uh i'm a little disappointed because i didn't get to see derek Zamet, who's a big ruckers quarterback target in 26 because he was uh he was at one of the florida camps or something but uh, yeah, we'll see a lot more of uh, these camps over the next couple weeks. I know uh, I'm heading down to Charlotte in a month or two, two months. Uh, heading down to Miami for a camp on a weekend. So Cam Newton's camp's coming up to Jersey, so it's there's going to be a lot of, uh, lot of camps. That one. I had to mention that one <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see if anyone tries to sneak Cam Newton in Jersey. But probably not, if I had to guess. <laughs> well,
0: they're, if they're smart, they won't.
1: Yeah,
2: I yeah. <laughs> guys that don't. <laughs>
0: Um, you also mentioned off the pod, we have a lot of visitors upcoming in the next month uh, when spring practice starts. Yeah. Uh, I said,
2: yeah, I said next month technically, but it's next like, month. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a little leeway there. Um, Late March, the most, early April. Yeah, the most notable one that we've confirmed so far is Torin Petaway, defensive end out of Middleton High School in Wisconsin. Sounds familiar because it is familiar. It's the same high school that Carter Codow and uh, Sam Piloff went to. Um, <clears throat> Rutgers has built a really good relationship out in Wisconsin. Wisconsin produces a lot of talent, and it's a state that Rutgers I don't think has ever hit before, uh, at least in the Rivals era, which dates back to 2002 for our database. Um, so it's it's interesting to see them kind of hit that Midwest section a little bit more and more each year. Uh, they went to the Michigan kid. They always land, like, in Ohio or Indiana or something like that, but they're going to extend it even more west, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if you start seeing Rutgers offers out in the West Coast too, but... Um, this kid's a really good prospect. Uh, He—I don't know if he's getting G5 offers and just not reporting them, but it's all his offers are just like significantly big, like Power Fives, like USC, Rutgers, Nebraska, Washington. Obviously, Wisconsin—that's the one I'm keeping the close eye on because as, if, as a Wisconsin kid, if they're going to push, you're most likely going to end up there. Like I have a future cast in him for Wisconsin, but the fact that he's going to take these visits first might make a difference. So. We'll see what happens when he uh, when he gets to campus in April April thirteenth. So keep an eye on that. Um, I think we've confirmed seven seven official visitors. Um, well, six now because Jalen Matthews has to reschedule. But uh, he he is still talking with Rutgers. I I don't think he's going to end up at Rutgers, but it's it's a name to keep an eye on. He's still a four star lineman. Um, other than that, I mean, recruiting's kind of. Kind of dead. One, well, it realistically is dead. It's a dead period right now, but um yeah. So,
0: gotcha. Yeah, a few other things we wanted to hit on. Uh, the baseball team has had a really nice start to the season. They had a sweep down in South Carolina. Not at South Carolina. It was uh, against Winthrop. Winthrop. And then they they took two or three at Old Dominion this past weekend. So they're at a, they're off mm-hmm. to a five and one start. Uh, the team looks really good so far. Uh, obviously, they're. Uh, it's still, still too yeah. cold to play in Jersey. There's going to be a couple more away series before the home opener. Uh, I think it's in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan Harper had a uh, a card <clears throat> break uh, event this past weekend that was co-hosted with him and Tom Brady in New York. Uh, if you, Anybody who saw the, the social hey. media post, I think Brian Fonseca was there.
1: Tom Brady hasn't ruined New Yorkers' lives enough.
0: I mean, I mean, Craig, that's privilege. not true at all. Yeah, that's the Giants. The opposite. Yeah, the Giants. Uh, I mean, you might be thinking that exclusively <laughs> as a Jets fan uh, you, who wakes up in cold sweats once a month with Tom with Tom Brady dreams, but Giants fans, I don't think they had their lives mm-hmm. ruined by Tom Brady. I'm good. Uh, but I don't like. I don't like the way this conversation is going. Well, you uh, you took it
1: there. <laughs> uh,
0: so obviously, it's great to see. Uh, Dylan Harper headlining events with Tom Brady. That's a huge honor and uh, shows you kind of where he stands in terms of the overall uh, big picture of young basketball players right now. Um, So that's all I had. Anything you guys wanted to hit on before we head out today?
1: Uh, Did you want to mention the uh, Scarlet Ticket?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, So if you were around last week, uh, we had been teasing it for a few episodes about big announcement with the Knights of the Raritan they have a a promotion right now Uh, it's called the Scarlet Ticket uh, which actually just had another uh, program add season tickets to it so the way it works is that you have to be a um, you can't be a one time donor you have to be a, a monthly donor to the Knights of the Raritan and depending on how much you give you'll have more entries to the Scarlet Ticket promotion which will give you premium season tickets to now five Programs at Rutgers: men's basketball, women's basketball, football, wrestling, and now men's lacrosse as well. So you'll have premium season tickets and parking. Season tickets for two, uh, and you have to be a member. The I think the the ten dollar uh, level has one entry, twenty five dollar <coughs> has three entries, fifty dollar has five entries, hundred dollar has uh, ten entries, and so on and so forth. So the higher your membership level. The more entries you'll have, you have until, I believe, March 6th to enter, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. It's the day of the last home game, <coughs> whatever that is, the home basketball game. Um, so you have until the 10th. 10th, I believe. You have until March 10th to enter. Uh, and l- let me just double-check that so I'm not speaking out of my ass here.
2: No, it's yeah, the 10th.
0: Okay, so you have until the 10th to enter, and the drawing will h- be held in May, uh, they have to. I forget the logistical reason, but the drawing will be held in May, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great cause. I feel like it's definitely the the most ambitious thing they've ever done. There is no collective in college sports doing anything like this. There are several collectives who are going to steal this idea, from what I've been told, and do it in their own collective. So big ups to Knights of the Raritan for continuing to innovate in terms of the world of NIL collectives, and uh, yeah. If you if you haven't entered this, like it, it is, I think the the total value is over fifteen thousand dollars for this uh, promotion. So you literally aren't going to get a better bang for your buck for a ten dollar a month uh, donation, and you are helping all the uh, the Scarlet Knights athletics programs. So big time opportunity for for somebody out there to to win some awesome season tickets for Rutgers. Then wow. it's going to be arguably the best year in. Rutgers athletics history next year. It's shaping up to be it, in the very least. Yeah. Mm.
2: I I would argue that value might even be higher because you could sell the football tickets, technically, if you want to, because they're going to be good. They're going to be really good. You could sell yeah, the you basketball You don't want to advertise uh, to th- sell the tickets, I'm just saying. Though. No, you will be able to get more sign-ups that way, I bet, though. <laughs> so, hey, it's a win-win, technically. If I advertise, <laughs> hey, you could sell the tickets, you have the right to do whatever you want with the tickets. I should say that. If you want to sell Ace Bailey's first game at the rack, you want to make a couple bucks? Hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up. It's not. It's that simple. But it's a. It's a great. It's a great idea. And I watched Wonka last night, and it, it kind of gave me Scarlet Ticket vibes. You know.
1: Wait, which one? The one with Timothy Chalamet? Th- yeah, it was actually pretty good. It Was good.
2: I, I thought it was really oh, good. Interesting. I, it, interesting. It, it hit a uh, hit the heartstrings a little bit because it it starts explaining how they come up with all the songs and stuff from the original, and I'm like, wow. It's kind of like ooh. Yeah, and a I heard team, it was little pretty good. A I
1: remember jerker. when I first saw the trailer for that, I was like, "This!" I was like, "They're really doing a a Wonka origin story." And I was like, "I, was I skeptical, thought it was but I've heard it was real. It's actually good, so you um,
2: have to check it out one of these days." One, one other thing I, I wanted to mention before we sign off here: hear me out on this one. If Nebraska football can have a dunk contest at halftime, I'm trying to watch uh, Holland Pierce in a dunk contest. <laughs> I want to see it at the rack. I want to. I want. They gotta make it happen, right? Like, is it too risky? You think? Probably a little bit. Yeah, but it's probably not the best idea in the world. <laughs> but the Nebraska one, like, there's guys doing 360 dunks. There's guys doing like this guy almost dunked from the free throw line. I just watched. Like, it's kind of impressive. It would probably it.
1: be better than the NBA dunk contest oh, with uh, Jalen Brown jumping over Kai Sonat sitting down. I mean, who? Yeah, that. Works. That doesn't get your heart pumping. I don't know what will.
2: It seems like it might be a little risky to put these guys on a basketball court. like the most injury-prone surface ever, but...
1: Hey, bring back Noah vegel I mean, he played basketball, oh,
2: right? Uh, you're right. He did play for Nebraska. Ugh. Uh, it's just an idea. Just hear me out. If you need a halftime performance for Ohio State or something like that, there you go. And if you need a legitimate halftime performance, lower the rim. Me and Craig will show up, and <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can do here.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, man. The last to... thing we need is a toxic-like <laughs> injury for somebody, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, but it would be entertaining compared Oh yeah, to that would be very entertaining what they're watching Oh, jeez right. <laughs> we're, we're going off the rails uh, yeah, Thanks everybody once again for listening Thanks to everybody who rated and reviewed During the GNOME contest We will have another contest That uh, will happen right around spring football time Richie has another mm-hmm. uh, I think even better uh, Prize to give mm-hmm. away better. So just want to tease that a bit We'll, we'll start uh, putting that out there in about a month But for everybody, this has been another edition of the Newport Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe.